And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of one of these years. Original cast, or the current cast, whatever you want to call it. Not, I guess, original cast. Current cast. I'm, of course, Nick Baumgartner, along with Colton Pouncey. Back from wrist surgery, part two, or whatever it's been. Uh, <laughs> the last stage, I'll say. It was only, as I told Colton before we got on, just a quick... Uh, just a quick removal of a, of a bar. So we're all set there. So thanks to Chris Burke, as always, for last week. And Colton, back from Tampa. How are we doing? Good. Tampa was fun. Uh, fun trip. I, I was telling Nick this before we recorded, but uh, some of my friends from high school, closest friends, usually pick at least one that is awesome. road trip to tag along to yeah. every, every year. And last year we did Dallas. This year we did uh, Tampa. So uh, got in a little early and got to, you know, kind of explore a little bit. And fun trip overall. But gonna miss the warm did weather did you but, go you know, to did you go did you go to ebor city at all that's the one spot we didn't you did really it okay to. good that means we you're didn't. you're maturing then as a uh, <laughs> is it as okay. an adult yeah ebor <laughs> city is like the like wild and crazy craziest part of tampa like whenever yeah. i would go there i've been there so many times i can't even uh whenever i would go there for bowl games right um the mm-hmm. student paper would always be there too which for both schools usually and those students would always go to Ybor City, and they were only usually there for like New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, so they would go to New Year's Eve in Ybor uh, City, and then you'd have the noon kickoff or whatever in the stupid Outback Bowl, wherever it was, and then those yeah. kids would always look like they were, Max was probably one of them, would, were always <laughs> looking like they were about to die, because it was like, oh god, you guys were out in Ybor City, but I remember plenty of, uh, yeah, Tampa's an interesting town. <laughs> <laughs> Ebor was recommended to us uh, by quite a few locals, but yeah, uh, did not make our way over. We had a, I don't know, it was fun. Like we got in, and then we uh, hit the aquarium. That was cool. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's, that, is that cool. was fun. We did one of those like we we saw someone doing like those like cartoon caricatures where they make you look crazy. Right. And, like, yeah. I've never done one of those before. Well, so like, me and like three of my friends just sat there for like thirty minutes, <laughs> like getting our faces drawn. Um, did like a little tiki bar boat. That was cool. Right. And. Yeah, hit some hit some spots out, uh, later on, so it was fun. That's awesome. And then, of the course, the uh, Lions finish it off with a uh, pretty dominating uh, victory over the Bucks. And I mean, you know, Colton, again, this you guys last week, you and Chris talked a lot about Jared Goff, and I told you before we got on the show, we're going to probably talk about him again because it was a terrific game uh, by him. But before we get into the specifics of of Goff, you know, to me, I look at this game as another example. Again, the Atlanta game was like this. Uh, it's just like three straight weeks probably of this, where it's like this is exactly how you wanted a game to play out. They didn't rush anything. We talked a lot about that after the Seattle game, right? Can't can't yeah. be doing the jump-ahead stuff. Just play the game, let it come to you, and man alive. That's what they've been doing, and it's like you can see now, right, why they're, why they're hard to play, why they're hard to get on top of. And, you know, unless you're a good team... It's you're gonna it, you're up against it right against the Lions. They're in a really good spot. I mean, I know that all the hype and everybody's going nuts. But Colton, people ask me every day, is this real? I mean, they're a good football team. I want to start with that this week. This is a good team, right? Like, yeah. By all measurements that we have, our eyes and our metrics and 
comparing them to their peers. Good football team. No other way to say it. No other way to say it, man. It's like, I, I think I tweeted this after the game. They're running out of ways to convince the NFL that they're a good football team. Right. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. At, this, at some point, you just are a good football team. And the Lions, I think they're starting to get that respect. Um, I was watching First Take for like the first time in forever oh, this God. week. I don't even know why I turned it on, but, you know, <laughs> it was on. And I'm watching Stephen A. do his like power rankings. And he had, you know, one by one, it was like Chiefs in here, you know, yeah, Dolphins yeah. in there, you know, Eagles and 49ers. And then I'm watching it. I'm like, wait a minute. He's on number two, and the Lions haven't been, like, mentioned yet. <laughs> he had him he at number one. Oh, wow. He had him one. He had him at number one. So, like, they're starting to get, like, the national respect. And the way they did that is by winning convincingly. I know yeah. it's early, but, you know, they're winning a lot of these games by double digits now. Like, they're not really within reach by the fourth quarter. Exactly. Like, it, fe- it never feels like, oh, I don't know, this team might sneak back in. I don't know, like, how's this going to go? You know, maybe it could be close in the – no, like, it's not. <laughs> like, it's exactly. not close in the fourth quarter. So, you know, I think the way they're winning, um, the brand of football they're they're playing um, on both sides, the offense is getting it done, defense is getting stops and getting off the field. Uh, they're creating turnovers. Like, I'm, I'm watching this team. I'm like, this is a complete squad on both sides. Right. And that's, you know, the top ten in offense, top ten in defense. That's usually a sign of a team that can go pretty far in the postseason. So – I mean, again, they're running out of ways to convince the NFL world they're a good team. I think they just yeah. are at this point. I mean, that's exactly what you, exactly right. It's a complete squad with depth, and it and it tells us, you know, for both of us that our eyes didn't fail us or lie to us in, in the summer when we went out there and said like there is real depth here. You know, they're going to thank be, God, right? Of course, right? We would have been never hearing the end of that. But I mean, it yeah. was obvious. It was like undeniable from the day you walked out there. Just the competitive level of every drill and every little thing they were doing was so clear. And it's like, yeah, they were going to have to cut, and they did cut players that were good enough to make other teams 53, um, and there's more on their practice squad probably that were in that situation. And that, I think, has surprised people because they've had injuries. They've had more than one, right? It's It hasn't been the healthiest of runs here. We've, they've had some significant injuries, okay? Yes. Like, not, yeah. not nothing. Like, C.J. Gardner-Johnson goes down in week two, for God's sake. Like, the second <laughs> play or whatever it was. Uh, of the home opener, like they've had a lot of bad luck in some of that, in some of those, and it hasn't mattered. It has not mattered, no. and it's like that's the thing to take away. What were you going to say? I actually wrote down a list of like starters or key reserves that have n- missed time at least one yeah. game this week. How many you got? I've got uh, David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, Amon Ross St. Brown, Jameson Williams, Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Vitae, Josh Pascal, <laughs> James Houston, Brian Branch. Emmanuel Mosley, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Kirby Joseph. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's terrible injury luck. And <laughs> like, as, you know, and as I was on with our buddy Graham Couch, friend of the show, the other day, and his theory, mm-hmm. of course, is you get those injuries out of the way early, so they come back later in the year, and then you're just a playoff team when it's ready to go. Like, yeah. You know, hey, that, <laughs> that that's easy. how it works out. But again, like, if that had happened, you know, and hey, look, last year they did have a rash of injuries early, as you'll recall, and it didn't go well. And the year before... It uh, not as bad, but they had some, and it went even worse. Like they yeah. they didn't have the whatever to sustain it, and it's not just they didn't have the depth to sustain it because of course there's depth, and we've talked about that ad nauseum. But they didn't have the and the, the guy we're going to start talking about here is golf. They didn't have like the big play. You got guys on defense now that are making big plays. You got guys on offense now that are making big plays and expecting to do it, and it's like. You know, dare I call them star-level players in the NFL, or at least plus-level starters. They just didn't have many of those. 
And now when you look out there on both sides of the ball, and I want to start with golf, like I said, you know, Colton, when I looked back at the numbers, I, I couldn't find more than maybe two games in his entire career that were better in terms of, you know, both vertical efficiency and, you know, just everything in terms of the, you know, volume. I think he had 40 attempts, whatever it was, 40 dropbacks. Your thoughts on golf? Because, I mean, to me, that I don't know what you guys' number you landed on last week for his extension was, but it might be going up <laughs> because that was a hell of a performance. And if it continues, man, this is a different conversation. Yeah, price went up, as I say. Yeah, price um, is going up, guys. Okay? <laughs> price is going up. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, like, uh, when David Montgomery goes down in that game, it's still close, and I think it was, like, maybe close to halftime, maybe a few minutes before halftime, and you're just kind of like – all right, yeah, this game's going to have to be won by Jared Goff because, you know, Craig Reynolds' block was awesome, but, you know, right. they kind of struggled to run the ball. Uh, Tampa has a good rushing right. defense. No Jameer Gibbs either, so you're kind of shorthanded at running back. And when you're on your RB3, you don't really feel good about being able to, to run the ball, especially against the front seven like that. Um, so they were going to have to win it with the arm of Jared Goff, and he did it. <laughs> like, yeah. He did it. It was insane. He was 30 44 353, two touchdowns, um, just surgical, though. Like, the exactly. way that he was um, getting the ball out to his playmakers, he's getting it done on third and long situations. Um, he's just carving up the defense. And every time they needed a big throw from him, he delivered. Um, so I'm watching that game. I'm just like, this is a different Jared Goff. Yep. Like, even last year when he was playing well, he's taken another level. He's taken another step. Um, like, the quarterback we're watching right now is, I think, a top-10 quarterback in the NFL. Um, now people are going to have issues with me saying yeah, that, I mean, but hey, <laughs> I mean, I'm watching with my own eyes and I'm, I'm saying yeah, like, and that. he's hitting these tight window throws. He's carving up defenses. He's doing this week in and week out. He's done this for like a year and a half now. I don't know how much more evidence you need that Jared Goff is a pretty good quarterback in this league. Um, yeah. he's producing like a top 10 quarterback. So that's what matters to me. Might not have the arm talent of some other guys, but he's getting it done in this offense that he's perfectly crafted for. And this looks sustainable to me. So. That's where I'm at with Jared Goff. Man, um, yeah, I know. He's in the MVP conversation right now, and I think that's well-deserved um, just with the way he's played this year. So really impressed with what he did in that Tampa game and, and overall this season. I'm going to be really interested to read Sean McVay's book and then Jared Goff's rebuttal of his book whenever that comes out, <laughs> right, of how that yeah. marriage ended. Because, like, when it, when it did end, right, because this was the first game that I thought everything came together for him because when when they, when he got tossed aside by the Rams and they made the trade he's he was out of confidence it was he was right we've talked about this and the biggest thing that everybody talked about at the time was you know no longer is this the guy that's so com- comfortable just taking shots down the field do you remember that kid the first or second year that Chiefs game that everybody talks about with the Rams where he's just slinging the ball and like you know unconscious like you know taking shot for shot so that goes away, and everybody focused so much on that. And the first year of Detroit, it was the same thing. It was like, this guy's got no confidence to throw the ball down the field. And then last year, you know, as we saw, as the year went on, it started to happen. And like you said, Colton, you could see that part of it building. The other piece that has now come along with it is the sort of general maturation of a quarterback. And now he's a veteran who's getting the ball out quick, who understands everything they're doing, who has a hand in uh, building the game plan every week. I mean, like his rapport with Johnson is as good as any starter's rapport that anyone in the NFL has with their OC. Uh, this is like the full package now. This is what you're getting. This is what, you know, when the Rams drafted number one overall, they were hoping they'd have at 29 or however old, you know, whatever age he is at this point. He's, I don't think he's 29. But, like, that's sort of the the, the the point here is that he's he got the confidence back last year, and that has sort of allowed him to 
slow the game down the way it should be slowed down, and now he just sees it like a veteran who's played all these games, and he's tough to rattle. And like you said, like he was making throws that were just replacing the run game. Which, if they can do that, holy shit, man! Like, if you can take the run game away and he can just replace it with seven yard, you know, like you're not beating them. It's going to be really hard to beat them. You're going to score fifty. You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. the result. Yeah, I think when you mentioned like the total package, it's him being with a coaching staff that he's comfortable with, that mm-hmm. he doesn't feel like he's you know walking on eggshells around. Right. Um, that's a huge part of of golf's game and, and what brings out the best in it. Um, I think you have to look at the weapons and the supporting cast. He's got an offensive line that keeps him upright. You know, he's got uh, his number one go-to receiver in Amaras St. Brown, um, a tight end Sam Laporta that he trusts already as a rookie. He's starting to hit Jamo on some of these deep passes, which we can talk about later. Um, he's got, you know, Josh Reynolds, a guy that right. was with him in L.A. and now here in Detroit that he trusts. So he's got weapons around him that he, you know, that he that he does trust. And then... You know, something that uh, Tanner Angstrand talked about the other day is that he's processing at a much faster exactly. rate than he was yep. in, in, in the past. And I think that's, one, you know, a testament to, you know, how he's grown as a quarterback mm-hmm. and maturity over the years. Like, that comes later in life and later in your career. Um, but, man, like, he is just so locked in in the system that yeah. he's seeing everything. It's a year or two with Ben Johnson, and, like, you're looking around, and he's, you know, first read, second read, boom. You know, he's getting the ball out as soon as possible to – to the guys that he needs to, and he's hitting the right reads and making the right reads. So, yeah, you look at the total packets. Like golf is playing like a top ten quarterback Absolutely. in the NFL. I agree. I agree More completely really talk with, about that. with that whole thing because if you look at this, like his yards per attempt is not uh, as high as it was, but it's getting there. Uh, his best days with the Rams, it's getting close to it. However, to me, that doesn't really matter. His like he's getting the ball out faster than like just about. I mean, it's not to a level. But it's not that far off. He's like one of the few no. guys that's like up there in terms of like, and Tua is the one guy in the NFL right now where you look around and you say, there's no one in the NFL right now playing quarterback, probably, I would unless I'm just going to skip over somebody at the top of my head here. There's really not that's in more tune with what their offense and play caller wants them to do than Tua, right? Like he, yeah. they're like, they have one brain, it feels like sometimes, right? Almost in some ways. Yeah. Mahomes, of course, is the exception in some ways. But I guess Goff is like in that conversation to me right now because... You watch him, and you could probably look at the numbers. I haven't seen the time number on the, the seconds or whatever, but, like, the ball's out fast. There's no waiting, and there's no, like, automatic checkdowns. The ball's out fast, and it's going down the field and vertically. It's been impossible not to see. It's like, yeah, he finally got the confidence back, and now he's growing as a player. And it's like, yeah, that's why I want to read Sean McVay's book someday to be like, <laughs> you won a Super Bowl, so the trade was certainly worth it. But also, like... You kind of lost your mind after you won the Super Bowl. You probably didn't need to give up on golf. Like, you probably kind of ruined that. Like, that wasn't maybe necessary. So, that's interesting. What did you guys last week? I didn't you listen know, to the whole show. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. I'll ask you this after that. I was going to say, off of the McVeigh thoughts, uh, I was on um, you know, the athletic football show earlier mm-hmm. this week with Zach Kiefer where he kind of just goes around different beat writers and checks in with them. Right. And I was listening back to the episode to hear uh, Jordan Rodriguez. She, she was talking about um, – kind of McVeigh and the Rams. Yeah. And she was kind of talking about how nurturing that McVeigh's kind of been in recent years. Maybe that, that's I'm a sure. shift than what he was I'm earlier. Sure. Absolutely. And like, he's got these young players and a young team that he's trying to like yes. bring along. And I'm listening and I'm like, damn, Jared Goff probably could have used that back in the day, huh? Oh, I bet he changed. I bet Sean McVeigh learned a lot from that one. Yeah, I don't know if he'll ever admit it. I think it. he did. But no, yeah, I don't, I don't think so. But I think he did. I agree. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. Because um, I remember we talked to Jordan at the combine. And she said some of that too. With like, you can tell he's a different person now. You know, and it's like, 
I wonder how much of that played a factor in it, right? Because it's had to have. Yeah. Had to have. Yeah. But yeah, what did you guys end up last week when you guys talked about the extension? What Chris think? I didn't listen to the whole show. Um, what, what did he think yeah. on in terms of... Because something has to happen. I think we can we can all agree on that point. Like, you know, the, the yeah. starting point of, like, they got to sign him to something. There's, I mean, it'd be yeah. stupid not to uh, for a number of reasons. But what's your what was your, your all's thought there? I think we landed on more than Daniel Jones. More as, than Daniel like, that's Jones. That's the floor. That's... Because he got what four years, one sixty. One sixty, yeah. Um, we're pondering different ways to get it done. Like maybe you go, you know, shorter years, and you know, you tack on some higher AAV. Um, but maybe they do go four years, and it looks something like, I don't know, one eighty, something like that. I yeah, don't, I don't know how far you go, but I don't know either. I think that, I think I would try to push for three, and yeah. do like the Geno thing, and just load it up for three years and be like, whatever. And then we'll, we'll redo what we got to do. And if he wants to do like the safety net void year or whatever, fine. But there Mm -hmm. are ways you could load it and play with it. But I think too, Colton, I would say this, let me ask you this. Do the lions go to him and say, how much do you value playing here and winning with us? And Dan, and you know, because Jared's already had a giant deal. Right. Yes. Well, he already had one that was massive, like a record contract. He just he has been paid he's well, been paid yes. huge here already. You know, like I mean, I'm very curious to see how this goes because it's not impossible that the market says, "Hey, you're worth more than what they're going to give you." You know yeah. what I mean? It's so very well that was that was another thing we talked about, and you know, I think my takeaway from that episode was that I I actually think the Lions have more leverage than I, people think. Do you? In this scenario, interesting. I do because. Some of the things you just mentioned, and we talked about last week, it's like, all right, Jared, you were already dumped by another team that didn't think that you were good enough to win with. That's true. Um, you, there was this perception about you that you know some people were ready to call him like a career backup after he got yeah done <laughs> dumped bridge by the, at by the Rams. Yep, a bridge, bridge at best. you know, an Andy Dalton type probably, you know, mm-hmm. like, um, which is crazy because he was still like I don't know twenty six, twenty seven when he got to the Lions, but um, you know, I think. Just what the Lions have done for him, like resurrecting his career, like, you know, with Ben Johnson tailoring the offense for him, surrounding him with weapons. I think it's like you've got a good thing going here in Detroit. Yeah. And you can you can leave if you want, but how many situations are going to be better for you than what we have in Detroit right now? Right. And so if you want to stay here, maybe it's a conversation of, hey, man, we want you here, but it has to be on our terms so we can continue, you know, building this roster around you. You know, if we're not able to pay like Sewell or Hutchinson or St. Brown and all these other guys, right? Maybe you're not as effective. Maybe our team isn't as good. You know, from top to bottom, we got to keep our guys in, in place. And you're one of our guys, but we have to make it work for everyone. So maybe that's the conversation they have, and that's something that Jared, who has already earned a big money contract in his career, mm-hmm. and is still going to get paid, you know, forty yeah, right, a million, lot, yeah. Um, maybe that's something that he's comfortable with, and is like, you know what? I agree. Like, I'll take a little pay cut, maybe a hometown discount, and. You know, come back and we'll resign our guys and keep this thing keep this thing moving. So yeah. maybe that's the conversation. But actually, my takeaway is that I think the Lions have a little bit more leverage than people think. But you know, if Goff keeps playing like this, you know, he's going to come yeah, in a, I, right, a pretty pretty big contract regardless. You never know, and and that's that's very true and fair. But it's always the thing I go back to where it's like there's just not that many guys who can do it. You know, and every year teams are just <laughs> on the verge of being like this guy sucks. We got to start over every. <laughs> All of them. Like, it happens so much more than people want to admit or talk to themselves. Uh, so you never know with that sort of thing. But, okay, moving on. Uh, offensively, you mentioned the run game didn't really uh, 
get much that you know. In a, a, a status update, I suppose here before we go forward on mm-hmm. uh, Montgomery. What's the situation with him? Is it was a bit of a slog? Tampa's of course very tough inside and everywhere on defense in general. Todd Bowles is a really good coach, but what's, yeah. what's the status there? Yeah, I mean that was going to be a tough one to kind of run the ball on anyway. Just that defense, but. Not a ton of success. They had 40 yards on 22 carries, and Montgomery yeah. left in the second quarter. So that was sort of the big update there. Um, he's dealing with a rib injury. I think Campbell mentioned it's like a cartilage issue, and mm-hmm. that's not an easy thing to come back from, mm-hmm. especially from a running back when you're taking hits repeatedly. Yeah. Um, so I, it sounds like he's not going to play this week. He hasn't practiced yet as of you know Wednesday and Thursday. Um, I guess we'll see you tomorrow, but I – it doesn't sound like he's going to be able to go this week. This is my early read. Mm-hmm. Um, now the question is, because they've got the Ravens this week, next week they've got Monday Night Football um, right. against the Raiders, and then the week after that is their bye. So if you want to give him a few weeks, maybe you just sit him for the Ravens game, sit him for the um, Raiders. Um, you got the bye week, and then he comes back the next week against the Chargers. Um, yeah. And that's a game you'll probably need him for. So maybe that's how they go if they just want to give him as much time as possible to heal. Um, but it doesn't sound like at the very least he's going to be able to go this week. Uh, Jameer Gibbs, meanwhile, is looking good for this week. You know, Campbell said earlier this week he was trending in the right direction. He's practiced the last couple of days. Um, you know, I saw him out there. He looked fine. He was running around. So I think they'll get, get, they'll get Gibbs back this week, which is great news. Um, and Craig was even on the injury report. I uh, saw Craig that, Reynolds, yeah, right. Which is not great. You're looking around, you're like, they got three of the running backs on the roster all in the injury report, so that's not great. But uh, – Craig was back at practice on Thursday, so, you know, if that's a sign, you'll probably have Gibbs and Craig at the very least, and maybe you bring up, um, you know, Ozigbo. They've got uh, Mo Ibrahim is back in the building. Oh, is so, he? Interesting. Yeah, I imagine they'll bring one of those guys up. Um, but for now, yep, that's the running game, running situation, and work yeah. in progress, but they're getting there. Yeah, this is going to be interesting because this is a tough, you know, Baltimore is always a challenge in that department anyway, even if you're healthy. Uh, yeah. so, but, you know, whatever, like Tampa's good. Like that was a good defense. I don't, I'm not going to, you know what I mean? They're, that's why they, what are they? Three and three. I don't know what the record is now, but like the only reason they've won anything is because of their defense. I mean, those linebackers are yeah. ridiculous. They have players everywhere like that. You know, every guy that makes a tackle, you look up they're like, well, that was a top 100 player coming on college, you know, whatever it is. So like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I mean, like they figured it out here. You know, I don't want to sit here and say that that's something that can't be solved. Uh, it, though, I mean, limited Gibbs, limited Reynolds maybe doesn't vote as well, but I guess, I don't know. That's, yeah, that's going to be interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I will say, if they can get this one without yeah, this, those guys. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, I mean, Baltimore did not look great last week and by any stretch, but, you know, that was in London. I don't, so. I don't, that defense is insane. They, I think they yeah. lead the NFL in sacks. Uh, like Roquan and those boys are, are different. Right. Uh, Lamar, we've talked about the Lions issues with mobile quarterbacks. So this will be an interesting one going against Lamar. Um, but man, like if they can get this one done on the road, I know that's a big deal. And I think I'd that's... rather to the silver lining would be I'd rather have if I had to pick one, I'd rather be without the running back than I would be without a lineman uh, in this game. Yeah, especially this game because of the front. Um, so right. In that case, I'm you know you're okay there. Let's talk about Jamison though before we move on to anything defensively. Jamison, of course, has the big touchdown catch, and also has one where they didn't quite link up. 
people can debate all day. I'm sure they have if whose fault that was and whatever. It doesn't matter. The point that I took away from the whole thing was, Colton, that Jared Goff went right back to him. Like two play, a couple plays. I don't know if it was a drive later, whatever it was. It was right back to him and makes just like a reaction throw, pressure in his face. I see him beating him deep. We're going to take the shot. And it looked weird, but they got it done. And, like, to me, that has to be a big step in some direction, right? Like, it's not nothing. It's a big deal to some degree, to a probably a, a large-ish degree, I would think, that that yeah. finally lands. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. That was awesome to see, I think. Um, yeah. One, so like, the Jamal did have a drop. It was kind of a tough play. Like, Joff, uh, Jared Goff was getting pressured a little bit, so he had to kind of get rid of the ball a little earlier. Right. The route that Jamal ran, though, was nasty. The, the separation he created. Yeah, man. I want everyone to go back and like watch that play because he dusted his man. Like he was if he if golf isn't pressured on that play and gets the ball out cleanly to him on that hitch, right? Or whatever, he's got room. Yeah. Like he's he's taking that for a touchdown. Like there's no one around him and he's faster than everyone on the field. So mm-hmm. that's that's an easy touchdown if they actually connect on that. And you know, yeah, he dropped it. He probably could have worked back a little bit, but you know, again. Tough play. Goff is getting pressured, so you let that one slide. The bigger thing to me was, like you mentioned, Goff going right back to JMO. I think it was two plays later. I think the play in between, Laporta dropped a pass, so yeah, right. you guys aren't really no. like making plays for him. And then Goff's <laughs> like, you know what? I'm gonna rip it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sit here. I see JMO downfield. I'm gonna get this pass off. Yeah, didn't come out like super clean out of his hands, but it didn't really matter because the adjustment that JMO made when that ball was in the air, 
was just so incredible, incredibly impressive. Um, the fact that he was able to hold on to it yeah. as like a defender who's trying to stick a hand in there and draw it loose, like he held on to it. And that I, I remember the ball felt like it was in the air for like 20 seconds, and you're right. in the press box, you're just like, this is a make or break play right now. Like, if he drops yeah, this, right, it really was. <laughs> like, yeah, he's never gonna hear the end of it. If he catches it, you know, that could be something, something special, maybe the start of getting him on the right track. And he comes down with it and rolls to the end zone and kind of throws the ball and <laughs> does his little parade as he does around yeah, the stadium. Yeah, yeah. And, and like, you're like, all right, Jamal's back. This is what he can do oh, for, yes, a defense, or for an offense against the defense. Um, and there are even other times where he wasn't maybe targeted, but he's still, you know, creating stuff for others underneath yep. with St. Brown and Laporta. So, like, again, if you're not – if you if you don't think that J-Mo can make an impact on the offense, then you're just, like, not watching these games because he's out there and he's, his speed is literally game-changing. Like, that play was a game-changing play. <laughs> oh, yeah. So – I don't know what to tell people, but like this is what they envision. I know he's not getting the targets right now, but I think that he's in the right direction. Those will come with time, and you know, in the meantime, he can still be productive for this offense. There are two plays in that game, and they're pretty much back to back. It's at the touchdown, and then I think on the next drive, um, that completely illustrate everything they want from him as a player in the offense. And that the one is the touchdown pass where they're just running a flood, and he's the vertical the vertical option on the flood, which isn't the first option on that throw. It's, you know, almost an alert usually in that case. But if he beats his guy, as he did in that coverage, cover three, the guy was way too low. He couldn't beat him on the back. Golf just takes the shot. Like, that's what he's there to do, one. And then, two, they come back on, I want to say it was the next drive, and they run the big dagger with uh, St. Brown. And Jamo takes, takes, takes two guys right up the middle, uh, 55, 60 yards down the field, and there's like 20 yards of space for St. Brown, who doesn't need any space, by the way, <laughs> for, for him to crack back into on the inbreaker. So, I mean, like, that's exactly what he's... And we've seen the blocking, but the space that can be created if you have to pay attention to this guy, and Tampa did because he caught a touchdown, and right away after him, should they go to the sideline? Like, well, shit, we gotta, you know, we gotta yep. pay attention, you know, so... That is, for a team that runs the ball and works underneath as much as they do, my God. Like, that's a, you saw what St. Brown and Reynolds were able to do without any help over the top. Like, that's, in yeah. Laporta, that's, you, you're now getting the idea. Now, I hear this every day. Well, it was a bad draft pick. It was a terrible pick. Blah, blah, blah. I, we'll see on all these picks. But the logic behind it is never really been in question. You want a guy that can just burn the top off of everything because you do so much in the intermediate that kills people that if you can create more space in there, obviously you want to, you know, whatever about where you take a guy like that, but the role and the fit, it's pretty obvious. And anyone who doesn't see that is really not watching. Now the question is, is can he do it, you know, each week? You know, it's just going to continue to happen where uh, every deep ball is a little awkward because we're not on the same page in terms of whether that ball was thrown to the pylon properly or did he turn the wrong way or did he not locate it fast enough? I have no idea. But like, you know, as things yeah. go forward, like you said, more reps, more everything else. That'll be the big test of it. It smooths out. Yeah. Golf did say it just came out of his hands a little fluky. So, oh, yeah. Okay. So, there you, you know, go. I think that's what it was. But I, I agree, man. Like, you're looking at this offense now. And I remember week one against the Chiefs, and I tweeted, I could really use Jamal right now because these receivers are not getting much separation outside of St. Brown. Right. Um, uh, and so, you look ahead now, and you see Jamo doing his thing. You see St. Brown doing his thing. You see Laporta doing his thing. You see Josh Reynolds doing his thing. 
you see Jameer Gibbs working his way back. This will be the first time that they have all those guys yeah, all together. You know, on the field together. And so you're kind of looking like Thanos collecting Infinity <laughs> Stones, you know. <laughs> and, like, they all fit together, and that's the thing. And I think – Exactly. Yeah, like, that's – you can question some of Jamal's maturity and, you know, the drops or whatever, but his place in this offense is quite obvious, quite clear. Um He's going to draw a couple defenders downfield. He's going to create stuff over the middle for these other guys. Um, they're going to get Gibbs involved in the passing game. Like when these guys are all, you know, seasoned, and they're all working in rhythm with this offense, it's going to be pretty damn hard to stop. It already yeah. is. That's a scary thing. Like they're at fourth in the league in scoring and third in yards per game, and they're still right. working in some of their young, talented speedsters. So when those guys are all comfortable in this in this league, it could be really scary. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yes, you can't recreate what he gives you offensively. You just can't. I mean, there's just no other. There's very few guys, and that you could see it on the on the touchdown. Like the second level speed is still there after all the setbacks and the time off and everything else. Like it's still there. He cooked that guy. Like that guy had no chance. That was ridiculous. <laughs> like he cooked was. Him, yeah. He beat that guy by, and that's why it's like, well. If the ball comes out weird, it doesn't matter because, like, he still has time to go back. And people ask me that a lot. They're like, was there a lot of passes at Bama where Jamison had to adjust to the ball? Yes, because, like, he outruns the ball a lot. Like, yeah. And he played with Bryce Young, so there were a lot that he didn't have to. But, yes, there's a lot that he would outrun the everything. He'd outrun the whole route off the screen. Where the hell did he go? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> and it's like it's an adjustment for him and for the quarterback. But the more he is trusted to go in there and be part of what they're doing. Yeah. I, I got to think the better it will be. And I don't know if that will mean, you know, he has a thousand yards in the second half of the season and 12 touchdowns, but I think it could help you create stuff for other people. And right now from where I'm sitting, that's a start and you take it because from what it was two weeks ago, you know what I mean? Yep. Not great. Mm -hmm. So you'll take it because you got to start somewhere. And finally felt like that was it. Finally felt like that was the start, right? Not, not a gimmick. Yep. Not nothing stupid. It came within the offense, and it just is what it is. You know, Jamo has oh shit speed. And yeah, what I mean by that is yes. I played cornerback when right. you know my young young football career, <laughs> and there were times receivers would run right by me, and then you turn around, and you're like oh shit, and all you see is their back. Right, and that's Jamo. <laughs> like you're he's never doing catching this with NFL yeah, right. defensive backs. He's running right by them. He, they're seeing him do that, and they're going, "Oh shit!" And they're trying yeah. to catch up. It just and they're and that's giving, what has. and you can see them. Yes, it's like that. <laughs> we used to make fun of Okuda all the time for it, but it's like when you get behind somebody and they just empty their tank running, right? Yeah. Where they're it's yeah. full body sprint and their hands are all out and shit, and they're like, oh, and Jameson is just you know like casually running. That's the difference. Just long strides, yeah, down, like, down the field. It's, like it's easy. a very real thing, and there's a lot more obviously they could do with him, but you got to start somewhere, and it felt like that oh, yeah. was a good start. <clears throat> okay, defensively, speaking of good starts, this is this is one that really hasn't gotten enough love here or talk or whatever from anybody, be it national or probably even local, because everyone's rightly so fixated on how good the offense has been and the team in general. But the defense, Colton, and I don't really even have one piece of it. It's the whole thing. Uh, not just the way the guys are playing on the field, not just the way that the depth is showing up, but I think this is the best stretch that Aaron Glenn has certainly had. And it's not the only good stretch that Aaron Glenn has had, but for the first time in the three years here, uh, he's he should be getting a chance to shine and everybody should be seeing. He's a good coach. I think somebody might have said it on the broadcast um, either this week or last week. 
and it was 100% correct, and that Campbell sort of like made the decision, I'm going to ride it out because I know how hard it's going to be defensively for us. I'm going to ride it out with Aaron Glenn. I don't care. I'll take all the heat on offense and everything else because I know how good a coach he is, right? And I think now, are we not starting to see some of that? They've got injuries everywhere, and they're still holding up, and they're still doing things the way that you know, more than we expected probably this year, to be honest. Yeah, no, they really are. Um, you know, I, I'm thinking back to last year around this time where people were like, fire Aaron Glenn. Right, And yeah. we had to kind of talk people off year the Year one, they say, did that too, by the way. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't know, man. It's like they were building this thing slowly. They knew that this would take time. Um, around this time a year ago, they didn't have key pieces like John Kaminsky. He was hurt. You know, mm-hmm. guys like Pascal were hurt. You know, I, I'm looking around the defense. And I'm like, they don't, you know, Tracy Walker went down. Um their cornerbacks weren't great. Like, he didn't have, like, the talent that he needed to kind of run his system. And yet people were calling for his job. And right. I'm like, it's kind of hard to do your job when you don't have the proper tools to do your job. You know, and I, I know people like to say, oh, a, DC, a good D.C. can make do with what he has. That's not always the case, man. The NFL is a talented league, and, like, these offenses are going to come after you if you don't have, you know, some dudes, you know, some actual right. dudes. And they've got some guys now. Um that are helping this defense look like one of the better ones in the NFL. And I think that's a testament to Glenn and, you know, Campbell's patience in him and saying, you know what, you're my guy. Like, I trust you with my life. That You're you're the one that's going to get this, get this, de- this oh, defense yeah. going. Oh, yeah, right, no question, yeah. Um, and so I look at them now, and they're I think they're seventh uh, in yards allowed or ninth in scoring. Um, like, they're top ten across the board, basically. Uh, might have the number one rushing defense right now, number one and number two. Um which is a far cry from last year when they were like thirtieth. Like the exactly. year over year improvement is, I, I it's still baffling to me. I said this, said this to Chris last week. Like I thought they would be middle of the pack. I thought that would be like a really good improvement if you can get to like, you know, the fifteen to eighteen range in the NFL. They're top ten in yards and scoring. Like, mm-hmm. and they're doing this without like Brian Branch hasn't played recently. Um, you know, Pascal and some of these young dudes haven't played. Mostly hasn't played um, all year. Mosley hasn't played. <laughs> he played for two snaps, which is super unfortunate. Right. Um, CJ, and so yeah. CJ Garner Johnson, yeah, like you can just go around and like they're missing guys that were supposed to help, and they're actually getting it done without those guys now. So I think that's super impressive um, what he's been able to do with his defense, how he's been able to keep them along. You know, going on the road and only allowing six points is just crazy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, man, like. Credit to Aaron Glenn. Like he's he's taken a lot of shit over the years, oh, but yeah. here he is and standing tall and you know got a good defense and is probably going to get some head coaching looks as a result. Yeah. This offseason. Oh, you absolutely will. I mean, obviously, all things have to hold up, right? You know, you have to yeah. keep doing this. But I think for a couple of reasons here. Number one, uh, a couple of things I should say. Number one, Dan Campbell and Aaron Glenn are like day one dudes. They're like yeah. as close to brothers as non sibling people can get. I think. And so anybody who thought that that was ever possible was fooling themselves. <laughs> Campbell, the building would have had to burn to the ground or something, you know. But we had questions for, about that. For that to week. happen. Like, I mean, it that's, just, Campbell would have been yeah. like, fire me. I'm not doing it. Like, that's that's how close they are and that's how much they believe in each other. And I would add to that as part two of this is like his reputation inside of football, inside the NFL, Aaron Glenn's reputation is awesome. And when he took yeah. the Lions defensive coordinator job, I was surprised. A lot of people were surprised. It spoke to how close he and Dan Campbell are, uh, and I think that's what's... I didn't know that. You know, I don't know now. But I think that's... Because 
he would have had chances to go elsewhere. And I think he was kind of on track if he had stuck in New Orleans, maybe to be the head coach there. Who knows, right? So I think that, like, his reputation takes a hit when he comes here because you're saddled with a gutted roster and defense is already harder to do anything with anyway. And the only thing they had that was redeemable on the roster was the offensive line. So you're going to build around the offense. That's what they did. And he was his most important hire, he being Aaron Glenn, because Campbell tells him, you're going to have to eat all the shit for the first two years, probably, maybe longer. When they took the job, it was probably like, you're going to have to eat the shit for three years, I bet, until we're even ready to do this. But I know you're going to be fine, and it won't matter, because you can get anybody to play for you. And that is why he is who he is. And I think that that's the cool part that's coming through. Like, he can scheme and do things with anybody. I think that's, you know... If you're, a, if you're a coordinator at that level, you're fine with all that. I, I don't get into the nitpicky stuff about any of that. I think his schemes are fine. I think the games he's called this year uh, have been good across the board. I haven't had too many nitpicks on that. They haven't played too many you know crazy awesome offenses yet, I guess. But whatever. He's a good coach schematically. But the best part about him and why he's going to be a head coach is that he can get every guy on the team, just like Campbell. He gets every guy on the team to buy in and every coach under him to buy in. Like he trusts them with his li- with their life or whatever. Like it's vice versa. That's that's mm-hmm. not many guys that pull that off, and and he is definitely one of them. So I think it's cool that some of this is shining through here because I've been around a lot of coaches over the years, and a, a lot of them that were former players, and not all of them can do that. There's some that can. Most of them are former players, but not all of them have that like alpha leadership gene. And Aaron Glenn has it, man. Like he. I, it's all there because they, they have played well in, in years past with nothing on the roster, right? And now you yeah. see what they're doing with a little bit better, even though it is, it's not perfect. Yeah, Aaron Glenn's a guy that can light into you if you're you know not playing well. Um, yeah. He's a guy that can comfort you and give you the reassurance that you need. Uh, he has this sort of – he can teach you the game and what he's learned, you know, with his career. Um, and then he can scheme a defense. Like, he yeah, – he, it's hard not to think of him as like a future head coach or head coach in waiting, you know, yeah. like one of those situations. Like he is, that feels like his trajectory at this point. Um, like Dan lets him lead meetings and just 100%. speak to the team. Like we saw in Hard Knocks, the way that he kind of commands um, a meeting room. He can do that too. So like for me, it wasn't really a question of, you know, if he can get there. It was just sort of when, how, you know, what would the pieces look like? How long would it take to kind of get that collection of talent around him that he needed to kind of make this thing work? And he has that now. Um, those young guys, we saw it in the second half of last year, the young guys that they drafted were finally infiltrating the defense and it looked like some of the better yeah. players on the team. And here they are again this year kind of starring and, um, you know, helping contribute to these wins. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard not to think of the job that Aaron Glenn's done um, with this defense. Like, he's really turned it around. Yeah. And I'll, say, I'll add this, because I wrote about him earlier this week. Um, Alex Anzalone. Oh, yes. Like, Man, he's been it's, good. It's... It, it's not just like it's like the evaluation, like the Lions, and Campbell and yeah, you're right. Holmes you're 100 right. I know what you're saying. Their ability to like evaluate and stick to their own process and not worry about like what anyone says. Like Campbell didn't worry about Glenn taking heat. Um, you know, a lot of people didn't want Alex Anzalone anymore on this team. Um, you know, they wanted an upgrade in free in free agency. Uh, they brought him back on a three year, eighteen point seven five million dollar deal. A lot of people were, were upset with that, you know. I remember that at the time. Um, he's playing the best football of his career. Absolutely. And he's doing it in Glenn's defense. You know, those guys came over from New Orleans together. Yeah, they know and each I, other I really think well. that yep. 
They do, yeah. So I look at, you know, he's kind of leading this Glenn defense. Like, Glenn finally has his guys around him. Um, I think those two have been crucial to the turnaround and what we've seen defensively. Yeah, and I mean, Alex was a guy, too, that I remember we talked to, Chris and I did the film thing with Aaron when they came in, and he'd said right away, he was like, people don't aren't high on him, Anzalone, because he had a shoulder injury coming out of college, and he can't, he's not a great take-on guy. Um, but if you put him in the right spots, if he's healthy, he's a really good player between the tackles. You just got to get him healthy. And so I'm wondering, uh, maybe they think he's healthy. I, you know, maybe that's a big part of it. I, he looks healthy to me. But uh, yes, no. I he moving on before we move on to the last part here because I know you got to go to the locker room. Uh, he's going to be a, Aaron Glenn is going to be a head coach sooner than later. Um, cough, Dallas Cowboys. Cough, cough. That would be fun. <laughs> Anyway, moving on, moving forward to our final segment here. I did want to talk about because it is trade deadline season. And for the first time in like everyone's life, the Lions are possibly, uh, I can't even say it without laughing, possibly a buyer here at the <laughs> deadline. Like I, I had to do like a quadruple take when I read uh, Mike Jones and Jeff Howe did a story on all the trades they'd like to see here at the Athletic today. And one of them was yeah. the Lions getting Pat Sertain. And it was just like, that you know, hey, I was like, well, I mean, obviously the the, the <laughs> stuff that Mike, who knows about that, but I was like, hey, something like that even being possible isn't something I've thought about for the Lions in forever. So, what are your thoughts yeah. on the deadline here, and uh, what would you like to see, if anything? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the Lions like our position to be buyers. Uh, you know, that's just totally clear to see. Like they are five and one, tied for the best record in the NFL. Deadline's a few weeks away. Like, they should be a buyer. They should look to add to this core, yeah. um, clean up some weaknesses. Not that they have a ton, but, you know, you can always straighten, strengthen your roster a little right. bit. So I did see that that piece with uh, Mike and Jeff. Yeah. And they did good. mention Sertain, and that was, that's been a player that I've been asked about a ton the last like, couple of weeks because uh, people think the Broncos are ready to uh, have a fire sale here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not going yeah, to I mean, Champagne. Yeah, I can't imagine they wouldn't. Yeah. And so – yeah, I mean, the Sertain stuff is interesting. If they do move him, obviously, like, there will be a bunch of teams lining up to get him. Oh, he's um, awesome. And yeah. he would make sense for the Lions just because, obviously, Mosley was supposed to be a guy here, got hurt, he's out for the season. Um, so your two starting corners, you feel pretty good about, I think, with Jerry and Cam Sutton. Um, but your depth there is not super strong. Like, you have Will Harris who can play on the outside if needed, but they kind of like him more in the nickel spot. Um you know, you have Stephen Gilmore, but he's like an undrafted free agent rookie, so I don't know how much you can really trust him there. Yeah, right. Um, you know, just, I guess, not a ton of options at outside corner. So if they do make him available, I would pick up the phone if I were Brad yeah. and uh, see what it would take. Now, I think it's going to take more than what our guys, yeah. you know, asked. Um, I think Mike threw that out there. He, he's a second and uh, a fourth. Broncos, thing. yeah, Broncos trade, cornerback Patrick's retained to lines for a 2024 second. Yeah. And a 2025 and 25, 2025 third round pick. Second so I guess third. multiple yeah. picks. Yeah. I don't know if that gets it done for one of the best uh, corners no, in the league who's so. like still in his rookie contract. Right. But uh, yeah, I mean, like those are deals you can start to think about, I think, if you're the Lions and you're looking to, you know, bolster your roster for, a, you know, a run down the stretch, you know. Why not? I think you're in position for it. You've kind of proven yourself on the field. So maybe and, take some swings. Right. And that would be the place to do it, corner. I mean, it really would. Yep. Anywhere else, that would be the one spot that you would do it. I think, and that, and that, frankly, like because certain, it's going to cost a first um, to get him. I would think, and he is top. Yeah, he is a top tier. He's not sauce, 
Um, but he's right behind him in terms of the next, and he's really already there. You know, uh, what is he? Twenty four? He can't be. He cannot be twenty five if he's if he's barely twenty five. He's the type of guy, though. That I'm saying, long winded way of getting here. If they if somebody asked for a first and they were like, it's the twenty sixth pick overall for Patrick Sertain, be like, okay, cool, let's do it because like <laughs> I'm not getting a player at number twenty six overall. That's you know what I mean. That's better than him, and it's a position right. of need. We're gonna sign him and we're gonna keep him here for you know like so. That is one that I would even consider maybe going a little bit more than I would be comfortable spending. I don't know if they're there though. That's my question, I guess. They're definitely a buyer, or the de- you know what we would consider a buyer in that you know they should be interested in looking around. But I don't think they should be a careless buyer. And some teams should be careless, but like Philly should probably always be looking to just poach people because their roster just doesn't have. They draft so well, right? There's not a lot of you. You have more wiggle room. I don't know if yeah. they're quite there with the wiggle room yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean you don't want to get into a habit of like yeah. trading all your picks. You know, Brad came over from LA. He saw that. Yeah, so I, right. I, I just want to repeat that. that. Yeah. Um, but and I and I do kind of wonder, like you know, historically, the Lions have you know haven't been buyers. Obviously, they haven't gotten to a point where they could be buyers yet under this regime. They're there now, um, but Brad is still kind of hesitant with some of these moves, like you know. He's smart about spending in free agency. He hasn't made a trade for a big name yet with the Lions like this. So, um, you know, we'll see. This could, yeah. this would probably reveal a lot about kind of how he views the team and whether they're ready for that next step and ready to, you know, sell sell off some pieces. Because we know he loves the draft. He's probably not going to be too yeah, right, right, exactly uh, too happy about trading some picks. But if he can get a player like Sertain or you know another guy here, you know, maybe he that's this is the year where he kind of makes that yeah. trade happen. We'll see. We shall see indeed. All right, well, we'll wrap it up for this week. Uh, Colton is going to be headed off to the locker room and then to Baltimore. Have you been to Baltimore before, Colton? I have not. Is this your first time? I know, I've known no, nothing about it other than right. The Wire. <laughs> well, <laughs> so, yeah, the, the, that's true. That'd be fun, though. I'm cool. Very I, good. I, I love exploring new yeah, cities. Yeah, the harbor so. in Baltimore is actually awesome. Baltimore's a really cool, underrated town. Although, yes, there are probably some wire, uh, like tourist spots of the wire that you maybe don't want to go to. I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe some. <laughs> But maybe not all. But in any event, I'll check it out. Colton will be there uh, for Lions Ravens. Did this game get flexed? This game, like the last one did. What's the time on this bad boy? I was all um, thrown off last week. I got to tell you, after my I know I don't not, I don't think I like that. Um, I didn't either. Four twenty-five. No, I was like I need the one o'clock. I think, but you know, in any event, this is one o'clock. One o'clock. Uh, okay, we'll see thank if, God. I don't think it will get flexed this morning. We're back but. to regular, <laughs> regular time slot here. So Lions Ravens on Sunday. This will be very interesting. Colton will be there to take it all in, of course. And then next week we'll be back to break it all down. Colton, you got anything else uh, for this week? No, I'm all good. All right, that'll do it. Thanks for listening, everybody. Once again, for Colton, I'm Nick. Thanks for listening. Take care.